getting you up and getting your sports day started. This is the Morning Drive Podcast from Double T 97.3. Your home for what we had for dinner, TMZ updates, and random hiking stories. This is the Morning Drive on Double T 97.3. Any random hiking stories for you today, Mr. Lint? No, don't. Haven't haven't been on the trail recently. Okay. Got your, your boots are nice and clean and... But you'd be available if uh, something came up. <laughs> I will always try to be. Yeah, always try to be. All right, I thought this was uh, this will kind of put things in perspective just a little bit, and just in terms of maybe how difficult it is to play at the collegiate level or the uh, NFL level. So around these United States, there are 15,810 high schools that play football under the National Federation of State high school associations. Okay. So a little over a million players, 1.04 million high school players as of the 2018 19 season. That's, it takes some time to accumulate these numbers and they update them each year. The percentage of high school football players from that number that go on to play in college, 7.8%. Pretty small. Pretty small. There are 774 colleges and universities that play at all levels, FBS, FCS, Division II, Division III, NAI, etc. A little over 81,000 college football players. Okay. Um, so that's a, that whittles that number down pretty quick. Uh, there's 125 junior colleges offering football. 0.041% of college footballs players made NFL opening rosters last year. Even smaller. 0.41%. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy, right? Um, in the NFL, of course, there's 32 teams. There's 2,016 players on NFL rosters. 320 rookies made rosters on the opening week last year. Uh, the average life for a NFL career is 3.3 years. 3.3, not very long. Not very long. No, not very long. Um, they point out on that 99, on that point, 0.41%, they correctly point out that 99.6% of college football players go on to other careers. That way you get to 100. I mean, it could be anything. Lawyers, doctors. Sure. You know, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I found interesting... Um, 81% is the graduation success rate of football bowl subdivision student athletes. So FBS student athletes, 81%. The general student population of Division I institutions is 68%. So you're more likely to graduate if you're a football player than if you're a general student. And the... Negative Nancy's are immediately going to say, well, the college football player gets more help than the average student. Okay, well, you could say that, but the college football player basically you, has a full-time job, right? And a lot of student students have jobs. They do. Yeah, there's no doubt. There's no, no doubt. Yeah, and, just, and you're accurate. Accurate. Yeah, they get a lot of help. Right, they get a lot of help. That's. I mean, that's what we want the university to do. Absolutely. We absolutely want them yeah. to help them. A- absolutely. Um, <laughs> you, like, you like that? Or I not? love it. Love it. <laughs> I, thought, I thought you 
I thought you did. Now, here's the, here's the thing I found interesting, and I think this number is growing. 3,113 student-athletes on 2022 college football rosters have already earned an undergraduate degree. So, that's a, I think that's a pretty big number. Yeah, I think the COVID would probably factor into that. Maybe make that number a little bit bigger. Well, I think we'll see that number. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that in normal years, and the, then you get the extra year. Mm-hmm. Also, football probably breeds it more than other sports because um, more redshirting as freshmen. Sure. And so they're around for that fifth year. Sure, sure. Then more so than other sports that yeah. where the guys come in and are expected to mm-hmm. compete right away. Yeah, I just remember a couple of years ago when we were at the uh, Chamber of Commerce kickoff breakfast and <clears throat> I said casually said well, if you don't walk away with a master's degree it's a wasted opportunity and the then head football coach Matt Wells was listening he wasn't too pleased with me yeah I think you made it sound <laughs> like it was really easy to do right I probably mm-hmm. I probably so you've gone from that to <laughs> <laughs> it's not quite like that so you just Totally went opposite of that. No, I just so Matt Wells changed you. No, 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 no. What I was saying is that the naysayers would say, "Well, help," you know, which is which is accurate. Which is exactly what Jamie just said. Right, right. No, I got that, but I'm not saying that that's. You have now repeated Jamie. I mean, there's nothing wrong with the university, the athletic department, doing everything they can to make sure these guys get help and have. You know, they have people that help help them. It's not, I'm not suggesting there are people that are making them do their homework. I'm Mm -hmm. not suggesting, or or there are people that are doing their homework. I'm not suggesting that at all. Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with them. Hey, these guys are are helping us win football games. They mean a lot. Uh, we or basketball or baseball or track or whatever. Yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna provide them with yeah. with counselors and and tutors and all that kind of stuff that that helps them. Absolutely, mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. And there's also nothing wrong with admitting that. Yeah. No. No. I'm, I was just saying that the naysayers would would poo poo that stat because they would say that the. That was my point. That the naysayers would poo poo that. I wasn't poo pooing that stat. The naysayers. Okay. But, but again, it's accurate. It is accurate. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this, Chuck, I'm at Texas Tech right now. The student-athletes definitely, in all caps, get a ton of help. I've been in classes with them where they don't take notes because the p- tutor will get them from the professor. The football and basketball students are also driven to each class on golf carts. Wow. So, <laughs> oogly-boogly yourself, pal. <laughs> Is that true about the golf carts? I don't know. I've not been on campus, so I don't... I don't, I don't know. That, f- well, that, f- that feels a little much, that but does, whatever, that I guess. I mean, if you've got somebody that's really important, um, you know, then that's probably um, yeah, that feels a little much. That seems to that seems, seems over the top. Seems a little. I mean, that that could be a great uh, great job for somebody to go pick up the QB one or what. I think he's he's got his he's got a couple of degrees already. Um, the other thing I found interesting is that since 2003, 5,863 football student-athletes have returned to school to earn their degrees. So that's a good, that's, that's, that's good. good. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Yeah. That's and, good. and I have no idea whether this texter's comments are accurate that they don't take 
notes. Notes, mm. or, but I'll guarantee you there are plenty of student athletes that do take it serious and sure. do take notes. Sure, but I'm not going to act like everyone is the same. Right, just like every normal student. Every is not normal the, student's not, not the same. same. Right, there's probably plenty, plenty of people that have their girlfriend I mean, or boyfriend not, that are taking notes I, for them. I mean, I can remember when I was in college, it was uh, you know every fraternity had. You know, oh, it was like absolutely. one guy's job sure. to go to class this sure. day. And he took it for the rest of the class or the rest sure. of the, the frat. And then somebody else's job to show up the next time mm-hmm. to take the notes. And right. so somebody else's job to steal the test. Oh, yeah. that was Animal House. Never mind. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I took a couple of classes with my my now wife and mm-hmm. i'm not gonna say that i didn't you know borrow her notes at Lean times on her too. a little bit yeah, yeah. So. she was better better at taking notes yeah, paying attention paying attention yeah okay really that's, yes that's uh, yeah that's fair so anyway mm-hmm. i just thought that i just thought all that was i just thought that was interesting mm-hmm. the, the i don't the, care what sport it is it's yeah. diffi- if it's it's difficult to get to bid <clears> and <throat> what level it's difficult to play college sports yeah i think the the shocking number is the drop-off between high school and college. I mean, you know about college to the NFL, but, mm-hmm. I mean, even even getting onto a college roster, like you said, of any sport is a significant achievement. So, um, I mean, you got to be good, you know, and you got you to work hard and practice and all those, all those kinds of things. So, I won't bore you with any more numbers like that today. No, numbers are good. Okay. Big plays and even bigger laps. This is the Morning Drive Podcast from Double T 97.3. Time for this day in sports history. Today is the 31st day of August 2022. Time for this day in sports history. Here is Jeff McGuire. 1903. Going to kick us off, gentlemen. New York Giant future baseball Hall of Fame pitcher Joe McGinty wins his third doubleheader of the month, beating the Philadelphia Phillies 4-1 and 9-2 mm. at the Polo Grounds. Both games of a doubleheader three times in a month. Yeah. That's the, pretty impressive. The word I'm looking for is insane. Rubber arm. Well, they were also probably pitching underhand yeah. in 1903, but still, that's a lot of baseball. 1915, Chicago White Sox, Jim, uh, Jimmy Lavender, no hits the New York Giants, two to nothing. Had their purple unis on that day. In 1915? Mm-hmm. Doubt it. I bet it's the uh, very beige white that they wore for a while. I was trying to be kind of funny there. 1924, <laughs> official morning drive marathon runner. Mm. Pavo Nurmi runs a world record 10,000 meter. 30 minutes, 6.2 seconds. Dude can fly. He's got stamina, too. Yeah, no <laughs> doubt. No doubt. 1935, Chicago White Sox, Vern Kennedy no-hits the Cleveland Indians 5 to nothing. So two White Sox no-hitters in one day. Many years apart. 1959, Sandy Koufax fans 18 Giants to set a National League mark and a 5-2 to two Dodger win. He was pretty good. 1972, American super swimmer Mark Spitz wins, uh, wraps up an Olympic butterfly double with a world record 54.27 in the 100 meter in Munich 
having already won the 200 meter in world record time of two minutes, 0.7 seconds. 1979, in the battle of American teenage tennis protege, protégés. Prodigies, prodigies. That's... Yeah, prodigy, prod protégé. Yeah, prodigy, I think it's the... Prodigy, yeah. 16-year-old yeah. uh, Tracy Austin beats 14-year-old Andrea Yeager, 6262 mm. in the second round of the U.S. Open. That is crazy, 14. Can you imagine that? Her son, uh, not last night, but the night before, played his first ever major... And took down uh, Taylor Fritz, who's America's top player in the first round of the U.S. Open. So good for him, bad for American tennis, because <laughs> we got no chance of going deep into the Open now. Yeah, but that was his first major win. That was pretty cool. She was obviously sitting courtside and very excited for her little boy. As mm. she should be. As she should be, no doubt. <clears throat> And in 1990... Who looks every bit... I don't know how old he is. He looks college age, but he looks every bit of 14 himself. <laughs> 1990, one of the coolest things that ever happened in sports, in my opinion. Baseball outfielders Ken Griffey and Ken Griffey Jr. become the first father and son to play on the same team and hit a pair of back-to-back -back singles in the first inning and both scored. That's pretty cool. Obviously, this was with the Seattle Mariners. Mm -hmm. 1997, salute to one of my favorite Yankees, Don Mattingly's number 23 is retired at Yankee Stadium. It is National Trail Mix Day, or as Chuck likes to call it, Honey Nut Cheerios. <clears throat> yeah, just a little update. The real Cheerios have now entered the Heinz residence. I think Honey Nut Cheerios would be good in Trail Mix. Oh, 100%. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. I just in never. Fact, I would put Honey Nut Cheerios above Cheerios in Trail yeah. Mix. Just never had heard yeah. of somebody, you know, adding to the cereal. I prefer my Trail Mix with Cheerios, okay. is my base. Okay. Mm -hmm. So Honey Nut Cheerios would be even better, I bet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm glad to hear that you got that taken care of. <laughs> it was. We were a little concerned. Taken care of for me, but I mean, apparently I was told this, but I wasn't listening. That I, I know that you all are shocked by that. Yes, 100% shocked. Yeah. Couple of huge birthdays mm. from around here. One of them's got a freeway named after. Yeah, Marcia Sharp. 70 today. Wow. So happy birthday to Coach. And uh, <clears throat> someone with as many skins on the wall as she has. Planette Pearson, 41 today. Okay. So happy birthday to both of them. Uh, Chris Tucker, 50 today. Richard Gere, 73. Larry Fitzgerald, 39. Debbie Gibson, 51. And Hideo Nomo is 54. <laughs> and on this day in 1997... name I haven't heard in a long time. Yeah. Hideo Nomo? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Not a good day in 1997. Shortly after midnight, Princess Diana, Princess of Wales, affectionately known as the People's Princess, dies in a car crash in Paris. Mm. She was 36. Re re reasons for the crash? Intoxicated driver and under the influence of drugs. She was survived by her two sons, Prince William, who was 15 at the time, and Prince Harry, who was 12. And that... It's this day in sports history. All right, this day in sports history, 651 this morning here on the morning drive. 
Saw this last night. Little sports deja vu. Have you seen this? This the sports I, deja vu? I, I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, so well, I don't know if I have or not. Okay, sports deja vu. <laughs> things that took place on August the 29th, 2001, and things that took place on August the 29th, 2022. So just the other day. Yeah, I've not seen this. Okay. August 29th, 2001, Serena Williams wins at the U.S. Open. Albert Pujols hits a home run. Vlad Guerrero Sr., Craig Biggio, and Dante Bichette all record a hit. Flash forward to the other day, August the 29th, 2022, Serena Williams wins at the U.S. Open. Albert Pujols hits a home run. Vlad Guerrero Jr., Kayvon, Kayvon Biggio, and I, think, I thought it was Gavin. Oh, Gavin. Okay, well, that, that's spelled with a C here on this this graphic that I saw. Okay, so Gavin Biggio and Bo Bichette all hit a get a hit. That's cool. That is pretty cool. I, I, I thought that, mm-hmm. that's a nice little conversation starter. If you... Kudos to <clears throat> Serena and Albert for absolutely no no doubt fathers to sons. No no doubt. Mm-hmm. Although I'm willing to bet if Vlad Senior was playing, he could still get a hit today. I bet so, but I bet he's not turning a single into a double. No, he, he, I don't think he's legging one out. He might get, he might put one through the infield. They might be able to throw him out at first, though. So. Maybe you know, now, it could also bounce off the ground and he still hit it out because we've seen him do that a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Massive amounts of respect for that Hall of Famer. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, six agreed. 6.53 this morning here on the morning drive. Thoughts, comments, Yates Flooring Center chat line. Go to double I uh, struck a nerve with somebody. And I, <coughs> I really didn't mean to, to strike a nerve hmm. with regard to my graduation stats. But um, I didn't, didn't mean to do that. So I apologize if I struck a nerve with you uh, because we got this. Jamie, it depends on where their classes are. I have 100% seen them being carted to classes by what looks like student aides while the rest of us walk or wait for the bus. I've also sat in engineering classes and watched football players sit there without taking a single note in classes where you need notes to pass the exams. Like you said, I'm not bitter about it. They're helping make the university money. Chuck's comments basically poo-pooing the rest of us for having 20% less of a graduation rate just pinched a nerve. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do that. They uh, definitely have an advantage in classes over us, and I also have a full-time job. All right, that's a fair comment. That's a fair comment. So, uh, let's see, Raider's dad. I've added bananas to my Cheerios. I've never heard of anyone adding to Cheerios. Which of these statements you have made in the last twenty-four hours is true, Chuck? Uh, I have added bananas to my Cheerios. I've never heard of anyone adding to Cheerios. Which my Darling daughter did of adding trail mix to the honey nut Cheerios. It was, I thought it was some kind of weird mix by Cheerios. So yeah, so both those, I made both those comments, right? It is what it is, right? I guess. Yeah, just clarification, right? Yeah. All right, just before seven, we'll talk some Texas Tech football. They're in action Saturday. If you did not know that. Good news. As the calendar turns. We'll have it for you on Double T 97.3 as Texas Tech faces Murray State. The kick is at 7. Optimum game day live coverage begins at 7 Saturday morning. We'll hear from the head coach next after Sports Center. 
getting you up and getting your sports day started. This is the Morning Drive podcast from Double T 97.3. Hey, good morning. It is the Morning Drive on Lubbock Sports Station, Double T 97.3 and Double T 97.3.com with Jamie Linton, Jeff McGuire. I'm Chuck Hines. Nice to have you with us this morning. This last day of August. Goodness, where did this month go, man? This, I think this month flew by faster than any of the months of the summer. Nope. I can believe that. Mm-hmm. This has been a lot of work done this last month. Oh yeah, no, 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 no doubt. But I mean, it's just it, it's it's flown by. It's like it's like work, sleep, work, sleep, work, sleep, work, sleep. Maybe a little bit of sleep for you, Mr. McGuire. But it just feels like work. Work, work. <laughs> is that how it goes? That's okay, okay. So anyway, so hopefully, uh, hopefully you got everything done that you needed to get done as uh, we get ready for the first football game of the season on Saturday. I'm almost done. There's a few things we still got to do. <laughs> okay, we're getting there. Okay, we'll be ready Saturday though. Yeah, I mean, when the I'm, I'm assuming when we kick off, we'll be we'll be ready to go. Oh, that will be done. That we're we're good there. <laughs> Kickoff. We for will us, hear the though, game is at 7 a.m. on uh, Saturday morning, so we're uh, we're well underway with uh, everything getting ready for uh, Optimum Game Day Live on Saturday morning from just outside the Fraser Alumni Pavilion, southwest corner of Jones Stadium. So we uh, bring you coverage like nobody else on uh, Double T 97.3 and the Double T 97.3 mobile app. We come to you this morning from the First United Bank Double T 97.3 studio. Look forward to your thoughts, comments on the Yates Flooring Center chat line. Benchmark hotline is open as well at 806-771-0973. Let me give you a couple things on Murray State. Maybe what you need to know. Uh, Murray State last year uh, won six ball games. They were six and five. And for them, it's the first time they've won back-to-back, posted back-to-back winning seasons since 1999 and 2000. So that's a significant achievement for sure. them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they return 15 starters, lost just two offensive and five defensive starters from a year ago. So this, there'll be some veteranness to them um, that uh, will probably help them as they go through the entire season next week they play jacksonville state and Deion sanders team is in the news man for just terrible reasons with regard to struggles <clears throat> the, and and the whole town there mm-hmm. um of not being able to use your water basically flush toilets take showers basic basic things um let alone trying to get ready for a football season and here's a here's a did you know for when you get to the stadium and you want to just elbow the guy next to you hey did you know which i know that you just love to do you can do this in the press box too i probably Uh, would just get up and walk away (laughs) (laughs) murray state plays at ray stewart stadium in murray kentucky it's 948 miles to jones stadium making it the farthest the racers have played from murray since 2004 when they traveled 1,095 miles to Yukon. How about that? How about it? Well, I mean, that's, that's quite a trip for you know what? You know what? I, if you would have said to me, if you would have said to me, how far is it from here to Murray? I don't know that I would have said almost 1,000 miles. And I don't think I would have said it's 1,095 to Yukon. Um... 
I don't. Yeah, I guess I would have guessed less. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I would have said that. What well, think about their equipment truck? Um, oh, the correction on the Yates Flooring Center chat line. You're right. Jacksonville State is Rich Rodriguez. Yeah, Jackson State is Deion Sanders. Anyway, Jackson State's had big problems, but you're right, Jacksonville State. I just, uh, I had that in my mind, and I just, I went there. <clears throat> Yesterday when I looked at this, I'm like, oh, that's, that's Deion's team. But Deion doesn't have a Ville on the end of his Jackson. Yeah, just a state. Jackson, yeah, so <laughs> thank you. Thank you, then. Um, so that, there you go. So that's a couple things about uh, Murray State. Here's uh, Coach Joy McGuire uh, talking about the Murray State defense and what that brings. You know, I think as a whole, uh, they're, they're young. They're, they're young uh, when it comes to the offensive line, I mean, defensive line experience-wise, but they have some linebackers that have played a lot of football. Um, number 34 in particular keeps showing up on tape. Um, they've got a uh, safety or corner that's playing safety. He's played both that's a really good football player. Um, the one thing about Coach Hood, I, I don't know him personally, Coach DeRuiter, uh, they kind of come from the same uh, Coach Grobe. Um, you've got defensive, a defensive coach. He, he coached for Coach Stoops in Kentucky. Um, so I expect them to play really hard and really sound when it comes to the defensive side of the ball. That's uh, head football coach Joy McGuire for Texas Tech. So they're <clears throat> getting ready for things. Uh, as far as that uh, is concerned. The other thing that was a, is a bit of a concern, and this is for both, both opponents, is that they have no film but stuff to watch from last year. For Murray State, they're going to watch a team that you know, is going to look entirely different Saturday. Uh, for Coach McGuire, they get to go back and look at film from Murray State from last year. Same coach, 15 starters. But he did talk about the challenges of what that brings when there's no film on an opponent. You know, um, I think more and more it's become even more of a challenge because of the transfer portal and different people losing uh, different players and then uh, guys picking up different players. So I think it's, you know, we've, we've done a lot of research. Coach Hamby, you know, Monday is our uh, <clears throat> personnel day to where our guys come in and start looking at the personnel and watching film. And we've had to, you know, go and, and grab different people's films because you got different transfers. I'm sure they're doing the same thing whenever it comes to some of our guys and who's going to play um, on Saturday. So it, it, it's tough. Um, but, you know, coaches, we're tr creatures of habit, and uh, we're going to do what we know and what we know is successful. So, you know, I'm expecting them to play with great effort, but still be in the scheme that, that um, you know, really caused some problems for different teams last year. It helps us a little bit. Um, you know, the one thing about our staff is Josh Cochran and Kirk Bryant actually played them last year and whenever they were at Austin P. And so just the familiarity of, of being in that conference uh, helps us a little bit going into this game. Well, that's an interesting, you know. Yeah, that, that should help a little bit. Little bit. You know, the, and I, <clears throat> I, I do think it's interesting what he was saying about the transfer portal, about the mm -hmm. difficulties it is. Uh, as coaches to be able to scout an opponent because boy the the personnel is just changing so much with with guys leaving and guys coming in so boy it's you don't really know what a team's going to look like but i guess all you can look at is what the coaches have coached in the past and what kind of styles of offense or defense or whatever they've run yeah no and and when he said that it's like oh that i mean it makes perfect sense right 
It makes perfect sense. Absolutely. But you just don't you don't think about <clears throat> that from a scouting standpoint or game preparation standpoint of how these teams can change dramatically. I mean, you always thought about that probably most predominantly with basketball because even before the transfer portal, basketball teams could seemingly change overnight with mm-hmm. you know the addition of freshmen or junior college players or or even transfers uh, to a, to a degree. But you know now with with football. Uh, having that same deal, um, you know, you can transform your team almost overnight. Yep. Recapping yesterday while looking ahead to today's sports day, this is the Morning Drive podcast from Double T 97.3. With Jamie Lynn and Jeff McGuire and Chuck Hines. Wouldn't it be interesting if, uh, if you and Coach McGuire switched jobs just for a few hours? I think that would be a miserable fail for the Texas Tech football team. <clears throat> I don't think he could come in here and do what you do, though. Train Monkey can do what I do. Except there's a reason I'm here. I'm cheaper than bananas. Cheaper than bananas. That's why I'm here. <laughs> well, that's a, we could keep the bananas. Like monkeys working for bananas, they'd before. be here instead of me. Yeah. yeah. 7 uh, 15 this morning on the morning drive. Nice to have you with us with Jeff McGuire and Jamie Lynn. I'm Chuck Hines. Nice to uh, hear from you as well in the Yates Flooring Center chat line. Go to the Double T973 mobile app. It's presented by Happy State Bank. Uh, we get this notice. I had seen this. Uh, I did not remember this, though, so thanks for the reminder on the Yates Flooring Center chat line. Cole McDowell, the Murray State tight end, is the son of the Lubbock Christian University president and the CEO of the Lubbock Chamber of Commerce. Oh, that's cool. So they won't have to travel far for a road game. Sure. For mm-hmm. To see their son play. So that's... Mm-hmm. That was very Chamber of Commerce-ish of us to invite them to come play here, <laughs> right? And nice town and gown, you know, uh, extension of the handshake across the street to LCU to uh, bring in the president's um, son. Yeah, where did he play high school football, I wonder? I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, I don't no, I don't know. I don't think it was here, but I don't know. Um, let's see. A um, couple things here about Murray State. Uh, it's only the second time they've played a Big 12 conference team. They played Missouri back in 2006. And just the third time that they've played in the state of Texas. They played Texas A&M Commerce in 1940 and North Texas in 1989. Probably because it's so far away. Probably a reason why they haven't been here, right? Yeah, that would probably factor in. That would probably Dope. factor in. Yeah, that was probably <clears throat> probably factor in. Uh, somebody says this off the Yates Flooring Center chat line. They've uh, got their meat marinating for Saturday's tailgate. That's good. I'm curious what they're marinating. Yeah. You know, is it uh, yeah. um, steaks or brisket or what do you got? Uh, what do you got marinating uh, that you got to marinate? Starting on Tuesday night right. all the way to Saturday. Cole McDowell's hometown is listed as Nashville, Tennessee. Okay. High school Lipscomb Academy. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I'm not his sure. His parents moved here just recently. I'm not sure what you uh, you marinate there for three days. That That's more up your alley than mine. I would, I would be pretty lost. In yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Paul says this, caramelized onions piled high on bratwurst with spicy mustard for our household. Must be his tailgate food for Saturday. That seems uh, quite the extravaganza. Caramelized 
onions piled high on bratwurst with spicy mustard. That does sound pretty good, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so if you want to share with us what you're doing, you certainly can. Okay, uh, Tim DeRuder is the um, defensive coordinator for Texas Tech. And, you know, when you think about kind of the defense and what you've got here, we've talked about this quite a bit, the, the veteran uh, leadership that you've got uh, on this team. He first talks about uh, the three corners, uh, the defensive backs, and we've talked about what a strength this is. And he talks this, about the senior leadership that's on the field at the same time, potentially, for Texas Tech. Well, you got three guys there that uh, have played a lot of football. Um, they, they understand the game. They're, they're fast football players. Um, they're, they're all physical and guys that can cover and, and guys that can blitz. And so having that combination gives us the ability to move guys around a little bit. Um, you know, I, I like Mud being close to the line of scrimmage. He can play man coverage on a slot, but he can also blitz and make plays off an edge. Uh, and both Reggie and um, uh, Rabbit can, can, you know, play a deep half. They can play the post and, and also play man coverage. So having those skill sets really, you know, bodes well for, you know, them fitting our system. And uh, I think it's going to allow them to make a lot of plays. You know, he's talking about um, Marquise Waters, uh, who's a super senior from Delray Beach, Florida. Uh, he's talking about Reggie Pearson, who's a senior from Detroit. And then uh, also uh, talking about uh, Taylor. Uh, I can never Demerson. get all. Yeah, Demerson. Taylor uh, Demerson, right? Adrian Taylor Demerson. Adrian, Adrian Taylor Demerson, right. He's the senior from Oklahoma City. That's why we call him Rabbit. It's just easier. You know, um, we saw him on Saturday, and uh, he's a pretty mild-mannered young man. Um, and uh, I, I said to him, I said, I said, tell Noah your uh, your nickname. And he's he kind of sheepishly said rabbit. <laughs> it was like he wasn't like, didn't seem like he was all in on the rabbit thing. It's his Twitter handle. I, I know, but I'm just telling you when, um, I'm just telling you, he just seemed a little sheepish about it, you know, rabbit. He was like he wasn't like I'm so rabbit. Confused now, huh? I'm so confused now. Well, if, can... if it was my Twitter handle, I'd be bragging about it, like because obviously you like it enough to make it your Twitter handle. Yeah, maybe he's just maybe he's just a you know mild mannered you know level headed guy, or maybe he's just a little uncomfortable talking to people he doesn't really know. It could be right. It could be. <laughs> yeah, it could be. I mean, I mean it's chucking I... it's chucking the young phenom. Who does? <clears throat> could that I've. That's sometimes has happened before. You know, there's people that don't necessarily like to talk to everybody like Jeff and I. That, that, you're allowed to, you do you, right? Be you, right? Mm-hmm. So it's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. Sure. Nothing the wrong world with that. takes all types. Right. Uh, the other thing that they're pretty excited about, uh, Coach DeRuiter is, and I think probably Coach McGuire and the whole team, is what they're getting up front on that defensive line and the leadership that they're getting uh, out of that portion of the team. Uh, well, you look at guys like like Tony and Jay Boog. You know, they've again been here a while, played a lot of football. Uh, I've noticed both of them in the off-season program when I first got here in the weight room how hard they work. Uh, just the leadership example they set for everyone else. Uh, but I think what's really helped is bringing a couple of guys like Miles and V in to keep pushing the competition. So they knew they had to show up every day. Um, and, and I like, you know, the, the mix that we have right there. And, you know, Phillip's a guy that, that has made some progress, too. Um, when when competi- competition can push guys that are, you know, the older established guys, they know they can't rest. And so 
uh, having that, that uh, good competition every single day, uh, I think, pushed all of them. And uh, uh, the, the standards that they're going to hold for the entire D-line, I think, can be held you know, really high because if you're not ready to go, you get the next guys in and there's not a big drop-off. Miles Cole is a transfer from um, Louisiana Monroe, 6'6", 285. He is um, classified as a senior. V is Vidal Scott, who's a super senior from Pensacola, played at West, he's from West Florida. He is 6'1", uh, 285. Guys. And so uh, I talked to him on, on Saturday as well. He played last year at Arkansas State. Um, it was real trivial, but he, he agreed with me. The, um, I told him we had been, my wife and I had been to, down in that area, and said so we flew into Pensacola, and I said, that has a great beach right by the airport. And he was in full agreement with me. That's good. So. That's good. You know. You know, the guy that he mentioned right off the bat there, <coughs> Tony Bradford, is a guy I think that just gets overlooked so much. I think he's, uh, I think he's, and he, I don't think he's the dynamic player that you're going to get from, you know, a, a guy that's rushing and, and pulling down the quarterback eight or ten times a game or, or a guy that's in the defensive backfield that's going to make, you know, four or five picks and, you know, return one for a touchdown or whatever. But I just think so consistent and such a great leader mm-hmm. for the team. Uh, I think you need guys like that. And, man, he just comes across as a happy-go-lucky, great personality, really – you know, head on his on his shoulders straight, and just got to be a great guy for that coaching staff to have around younger players, and um, just you know, again, one of those guys that just really makes the locker room work. Um, no, no question. And you know, Tony Bradford, six one, three hundred, um, big smile on his face. I'm not sure he's a guy that you want to line up across from. Yeah, he's he's gonna he's gonna make it work. Yeah, he's gonna, gonna battle. But um, he's certainly a guy that can help you put um, pressure on the quarterback uh, without uh, without question. Uh, somebody says this at Big Twelve Media Days. He bragged about his nickname, and he's a loud dude. I think Jamie is right. Probably nervous around Chuck. Now, probably just nervous around old people. Maybe. <laughs> so, are you saying you're old? I, I, it is what it is, right? I'm. I feel like I'm young at is heart. He fr- I still feel. Is he afraid he's going to get overexcited and break your hip or something? I don't know. <laughs> spill, spill your bottle of Metamucil. Could have. Yeah. yeah. They didn't have the bottle of Metamucil with me on Saturday. Yeah. Didn't need it. Okay. Uh, it's seven twenty-five this morning here, on the morning drive. Jamie's question of the day is next. <laughs> Yesterday, while looking ahead to today's sports day, this is the Morning Drive podcast from Double T 97.3. Jamie's question of the day on Double T 97.3 is presented by Bizarre Solutions. Call them today for a free cybersecurity audit. You get one official question of the day, but I have a feeling that you question a lot of things that Jeff and I do throughout the day. I mostly questions the th- question the things I do. Okay. Like, why did you do that? Why are you here? <laughs> <clears throat> no, I question myself way more than I do you guys. All right, so my question uh, for today is about the Red Raider football team. <clears throat> what would it take you seeing on Saturday 
to make you feel more confident about this year's football team? Mm. Taking into account the level of competition you're facing. Yeah. And we've said that, you know, more times than not, you only thing you're going to find out would be negative. So what is something you could sure. find out that would be positive? When you said that, the first thing that came to mind was a clean game. So to me, a clean game would be limited number of penalties, particularly the ones that you can control. Pre-snap, you know, penalties where you get called for, you know, late hits, um, stuff that has kind of driven us crazy in the past, you know, um, unsportsmanlike penalty conducts, things things like that. The, so playing playing a, a clean game is the first thing that kind of came to my mind. Okay. Crispness. Guys knowing exactly where they need to be, when they need to be someplace, and being there on both sides of the ball. You don't, you're not out of position. You're running all the right routes. You're executing the right plays. You're making the right calls from the line, uh, from the quarterback. That, that would make me feel better going into the future. Okay, I'll, I'll say uh, dominance in the trenches. Um, you know, I think if you, on both sides of the football, I think if you're, if you're just winning that battle, barely, then you're not saying to yourself, well, we've got a lot of talent there. You just played a poor team and we're able to get by them, okay? Mm -hmm. um, but I think, uh, I think if you're dominating, if you're getting after the quarterback a ton and you're creating plenty of time for Tyler Shuck and two other guys to come out there and find time in the pocket and you're creating... Uh, running lanes for your running backs who are not getting touched until the second level. I mean, all of those things, I think, could give me a little bit more confident that your offensive line is maybe better than what we thought and your defensive line, which which I have high hopes for. I just don't know about the depth. Defensive line could be a big weapon as well. So those are mine deals with the battle in the trenches. But again... You're taking into into account the level of competition. So, uh, again, that's why I say if you're just winning it, uh, you're probably not that impressed with it. But yeah. if you're dominating it, maybe it gives you – I think it would give me a little bit more confidence. I think I like both your answers better than mine. I liked Jeff's better than mine, and then I think you took it to the – a really good level there of of. Um, I think all the, three all three things are no good. no they are I just I just think I just I think as I came away with it you know was listening to you guys I like the Christmas aspect of what Jeff said and then one of the things that Coach McGuire is going to put a, a high emphasis on and look a lot of coaches do it's just he said it out loud the other day that if you want to win a high level of games you have to be really good at the offensive line and defensive line which I think. We would all agree going into the season, the offensive line has got a big old question mark by it, which it has. I had somebody text me the other day, yesterday, as a matter of fact, going, <clears throat> how long How long will we be saying that? And I don't think we'll be saying it very long, because I think that's something that they're going to really put a point of emphasis on. But I don't think we can say right now that the offensive line is not a, a question mark. So I like your I like your answer the, of the dominance up front and not not having the game in question like we saw with Houston Baptist a couple years ago and Stephen F. Austin last year. Chuck, I'm not going to let you poo-poo your own answer, though. Mm -hmm. um, because if you've got a zero in the penalties, 
if you don't have any pre-snap penalties in the game, if you're doing everything you're supposed to be doing there, Mm -hmm. you shot yourself in the foot enough over the past decade plus that uh, a zero there shows a lot of coaching from the coaches that have made it into the players' heads. Now, if you want to tell me zero pre-snap penalties, I'll say great thing. Not good, great thing. But you say zero penalties overall? <coughs> I think I'd like to have a defense that's a little bit more aggressive. Yeah. Okay? That maybe is gonna, a defensive back is going to get to a receiver a little too yeah. quick on a pass. Or, you know, maybe, you know, maybe there's some... Some extra hitting every once in a while, a little Let bit. Let them know late. that you're here. Welcome I to the Big Twelve. Welcome I don't know. Zero penalties sounds to me like you know we were just trying to avoid penalties and yeah. not playing super aggressive. But zero pre-snap, I'm all in on that. All in on that. So like if the tight end whose dad is the president at LCU and mom's the president of the Chamber of Commerce, like a one of our linebackers pops him really hard and says the Chamber of Commerce would like to welcome you to Lubbock. That's probably a little over the top, right? I don't think that would get a flag, so I'm sure that's fine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, Paul says this. Um, kicking, tight end use, offensive line, and quarterback completions. Okay. Somebody else says this. 100% touchdowns went in the red zone. Zero opponent, 10 points or less. 10 or less points, I should say. And then three takeaways. The three takeaways, another big point of emphasis for Coach McGuire. Um as it is, again, for all coaches, it's not. It, this is not. This is not new stuff. But I mean, they have made a point of emphasis of having of being three plus. Now, let me give you a stat on uh, on Murray State and what they did last year. Points off turnovers. They gave up forty five points off turnovers last year. They only scored twenty three. How many games did they play in this little spring schedule of theirs? Eleven. Eleven. Yeah. And they and they picked up so basically four yards a game off of turnovers. Four points. Yeah, I'm sorry, four points per game. But off they of gave up. They gave up. They gave up 45 points. They only yeah. scored 23 themselves. Okay, well, they, so they gave up. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. Four points per game off of turnovers. Yeah, I, I don't know what is. How many points did the Red Raiders give up off of turnovers I, last I year? I don't have that number. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't even know. That doesn't seem like a massively large number to me. It didn't seem that way to me either. But then when I looked at how many they scored, when they only scored 23. Which is not very good. Yeah. 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 So. Um, either either they didn't take advantage or they weren't forcing turnovers. Right. That could be on the offense or the defense. I mean, you did a pretty good job of intercepting the ball last year. You know, for Texas Tech, um, I just don't know what the I don't know what that number was. So, I should have anticipated that question because you're right. And what was if that was theirs? What was ours? I was just was I was just was impressed that they um, have that listed like that. So, mm-hmm. um, there's a good answer on the Eighth Story Center chat line. What's that? No special team gaffes. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's extremely. That's extremely fair. Uh, somebody else says uh, five takeaways, uh, defensive shutout, and moving the ball without turnovers. Uh, this, Chuck, I agree with your clean aspect way more than the other two. The reason being, when playing a lesser opponent, you expect to dominate the line and you expect to run crisp routes. 
because you're playing lesser competition. If you're unable to do those two things, then that falls into the negative aspect. So expecting to do those things and not having um, pre-snap penalties uh, or self-inflicted wounds, then that is much more indicative of the season and type of team we'll have. Okay. It's also- you can expect to dominate along the offensive-defensive line against lesser opponents mm-hmm. all you want, but it's not what you've done. <clears throat> that's very that's very fair. And it's also game one. Yeah. You learn a lot between game one and game two, as coaches have finally said on multiple different programs and multiple yeah. different universities. Including if they're clean one. on game one, that leads me to believe they're going to be clean on game two and so forth. Here, here's something else that you could dramatically improve on, okay, this year, would be third down conversion. Last year, you were 67 of 157. Your opponent was 84 of 188. You know, if you could flip that uh, for the season, then you would would win probably more than six games. What about your fourth down defensive conversion? Okay, and on that... No, 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 not the offensive converting a fourth down, the defense stopping a fourth down. Oh, I know. They were 22 of 30 uh, opponents were last year, and Tech was 14 of 29. 22 of 30, that's a bit... That's a high percentage boy you sure would like to change that yeah that was a lot of that was a lot of going for it on third and long coming up short and going hey we know you can't stop us we're going to go ahead and go go for it on fourth down you've been listening to the morning drive podcast from double t 97.3 for more from lubbock sports station go to double t 973.com